praise the Lord, everybody. Father God, speak to us today. We need a word from you, Lord. Uh, In-season word, Lord God. Uh, feed us. Feed us, Lord. Feed us, Lord God. Feed us, Lord God, so that we can be spiritually nourished. Ah, God. You are so awesome. So, Father, move me out of myself and speak to us. Speak through me. Use me as a channel, a vessel of your word, God. Ah. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within me, God. Speak clearly, speak simply, speak succinctly, Lord God, as we crack the seals of this word that you have given, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week, of course, not, well, last week we learned how to deal with and overcome the spirit of heaviness and talked about heaviness is a feeling being, of being weighed down, being weighed down, especially with weariness or getting tired or wanting to give up, wanting to faint, in other words. Give out, give up, give in, right? It is a mentally oppressive feeling, especially of sadness or grief. Amen? So one of the things that, the thing that we're going to talk about today that we don't like to talk about, in all, in all, honesty, all honesty, we try to avoid it. We're going to talk about mourning, not M-O-R-N-I-G, but mourning, M-O-U-N-I-N-G, mourning. And so if I was to give this a title, it's called, it would be how to get through what you're going through. It's how to get through what you're going through. Because one of the most important things you need to remember that grieving is a part of mourning. Grieving is a part of mourning. And just like last week's word, you have either gone through it, grieving, or you're going through it right now, or you will be going through it at some point as long as you are in time. Because unless Jesus comes back when you are alive, nobody gets off of this planet alive. Amen. <laughs> and so have our, so many of our loved ones if you lived any duration of time. So many have gone on, have transitioned to be with the Lord. And it leaves us grieving. It leaves us grieving, if you're honest <laughs> with yourself. So we're going to go pick up in Isaiah 61 and then also Matthew chapter 5. We're going to use some of the scriptures. We're going to use the scriptures that we used last week was Isaiah 61. And then we'll go over to the New Testament to Matthew chapter 5. And as I mentioned last week, Isaiah is regarded by some as the greatest prophet to have ever lived. And he prophesied to the southern kingdom of Judah. And he blazed on the scene to describe the condition of this kingdom that was going down spiritually and heading toward disaster. That's what he spoke to. He calls on the people to repent and to get right with God. And I believe God is saying the same thing to us today. We need to repent and get right with him. Amen. Isaiah is a long book because it deals with two great sweeps of time. 
the days in which he lives and time yet to come when the Messiah would return to establish his kingdom. Now, the first part of Isaiah, the first chapters of one chapters one through chapters 39 are words of judgment. Words of judgment and 40 through chapter 40 through 66 are words of comfort. Isaiah 61 is part of the words of comfort. So let's read Isaiah chapter 61 and verse 1. It says, The Spirit of the Lord, the Lord God, is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. To do what? Proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn. Jesus used some of these same words. To comfort all that what mourn. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion to give unto them beauty for ashes and be what? All of joy for what? Mourning. Now let's go to Matthew chapter 5. In verse 4. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 4. Jesus said this on the at the Sermon on the Mount. It's a part of the Beatitudes. Alright. Chapter 5, verse 4 says, Blessed are they that do what? Mourn. For they shall or will be what? Blessed are they which do what? Mourn. Why? For they will be what? Comforted. So he already knew that we would go through a mourning, would go through mourning. And he also knew that we needed to be comforted. So this is a promise. He said, blessed are they that do what? Mourn. For they will, King James says shall, but in another translation says will be Comforted. If you're mourning, it's a promise from God the Father through God the Son that you would be comforted. And then he also prefaces that in the first word that says blessed. We say blessed, but blessed. Amen. Are they that mourn? For they will be what? Comforted. Mourn in both the Hebrew and Greek means to mourn for. It means to lament, which means to mourn deeply. And it means to grieve. It means to mourn for, to mourn deeply, and to grieve. According to the dictionary, grieve means to feel great sorrow and to distress mentally. Now, if you lost someone or if someone that you have known or been close to have transitioned, went on into eternity, you have you probably mourned deeply, grieved deeply, almost to the point of mental distress. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. Now, there are several stages to grief because grieving is a process. There are several stages of grief, and I want you to understand that no individual experience or no one, no two individuals experiences grief the same way. Even though we go through some of the same stages, we don't go through them the same way at the same time, much like our relationship with God. Some of us will spiritually mature quicker 
than others. But it's an individual process that we go through. But we all can go through it collectively, even though it may be differently. Amen. Here are seven of the stages. Stage number one is disbelief and shock. When someone you find, when you find out that someone that you love, been close to, been in association with, has gone on to be with the Lord, there's a time of deny, disbelief, I can't believe it, as well as being shocked. Right? It always, and, and, and sometimes it creates a numbness. It, it, you're just numb. You just can't believe it. Disbelief and shock creates a numbness almost to a point, right? But see, disbelief and shock are a form of emotional protection that can last for several weeks. In other words, it may take you several weeks <laughs> to stop being in disbelief and in shock that your loved one, the person that you're close to, the person you were in relationship, a close friend, has gone on. Disbelief and shock. Another one is denial. <laughs> Not only do you have disbelief and shock, you're in disbelief and shock, but there's points of, parts of you that denies it. Amen? This stage reflects the stubbornness of the human spirit. The mind goes into a state of denial to avoid the pain and the reality of the loss. Even though, and I'll say this, even though you may know that this person was a believer, you do experience loss. Right? You do believe this, you do experience a loss. It's a stage of grief that reflects the stubbornness of the human spirit. The mind goes in a state of denial to avoid the pain. We don't want to be in pain, and we try to do what we can to avoid it, and our mind sometimes plays on us. Amen? Denial is a type of self-preservation much like shock. What is that doing over there? <laughs> Cutting off part of my head. Okay, it needs to be raised up. Amen. So, all right. Hang on just a second, y'all. I'm sorry. <laughs> My camera folks ain't here today. Now you got to let me know. Amen? Did that do it? Amen. 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 My camera people, are, they had a cheerleading competition today. Amen. Denial is a type of self-preservation much like shock. The next one is Guilt and pain. Guilt and pain. As you begin to feel the full realization of someone's death, your numbness can lead the way to extreme emotional pain and suffering. Guilt often accompanies, accompanies the pain. You might feel what is called survivor's guilt or a constant sense of what might have been. You even might even feel remorse over missed opportunities or things you did or didn't do, said or didn't say, 
And I have experienced this in my own life. Amen. Just as I said, I'm a, a, a good friend of ours, Al Hooks, passed away. And the day, last meeting that we ever had, something told me to tell him how much he meant to me, and I didn't do it. Amen. It said, when you have, well, you always have time to do it. Time is of the essence, and you need to do it when you're prompted. Amen. But I'm not going to allow that to make me feel guilty because then Marie said, well, he already knew how much you valued his friendship. Amen. So God spoke through her to tell me that it's okay. Amen. But what's important is you need to experience the full depth, depth of pain when you are going through what you are going through. You need to experience it. Don't try to hide it. Don't try to bury it. And don't try to get through it fast. Amen. Then there comes a point to where you try to bargain. <laughs> now, don't get it twisted. We can't do nothing when somebody has entered into eternity unless Jesus himself or God the Holy Spirit raises them up to reverse it. Now, uh, this phase of bargaining wrestles with God. And you try to make sense of it. Lord, why did you take them? You should have took that one. This one was worse off than this one from our viewpoint. Well, Lord, why did you do that? Well, why don't you take me? You ever been to those funerals? Take me. Hey, man, you try to bargain, which means you're just wrestling with God. But remember, God is sovereign. He has a will. And we have time, which is the dash in between our birthday and our death day. We all have appointment with death unless Jesus comes back. Hey, man. And that's one appointment you can pluck it out, puff it in, tie it back, tattoo it on, take all the vitamins you want. Death is going to come knocking one day. Amen. Mm -hmm. Another one, another stage is anger. And when you're going through this stage, you may be angry at God, angry at the person that transitioned, but but this may cause you to laws that lash out at those who are around you. Because grief can strain the relationships of the living. Grief can strain the relationship of the living. It's important that you find a way to release these extreme emotions in a healthy manner. Because if you don't, you can permanently damage ties to those who are there trying to be there for you. Amen. Now, they may do grace, give you, give you grace. However, you need to recognize. You need to recognize. You need to discern. Amen. And you need to apologize when necessary. Amen. Another thing we talked another stage is depression. We talked a little bit about that last week. And depression is all-encompassing, and it can consume your life. And as I said last week, if you need therapy, get therapy. Nothing wrong with it. We have been con culturally conditioned not to, think, not to seek medical attention when it comes to our mental health. I, I walked around the track with some brothers, and, and he said, and one of them, which is about my same age, said, you know, they used to tell us as men, don't cry. <laughs> you soft if you don't cry. Well, God wouldn't have given us tear ducts if he didn't want us to cry. Amen. It's okay to cry. Amen. Go ahead and let it out. But if you need medical attention, go ahead and get the medical attention that you need. 
Don't let anyone tell you to just snap out of it. Your emotion is not like a spigot on a faucet that you can just turn on and turn off. You cannot control your emotions that way. That's why when you cry sometimes, no matter how many times you try to wipe your tears, they just keep coming. Amen. And as I said before, your feelings are real and you need to let your feelings feel, but you can't let your feelings rule. Amen. Your feelings are real and you need to let your feelings feel, but you can't allow your feelings to rule. Amen. Then the final stage that we're going to talk about today is acceptance. Acceptance. As you adjust to your new normal, your extreme feelings will fade away. I'm not saying that you will forget who or what you are grieving over, but the pain won't be as bad as you adjust to the transition and change. Right? Because when initially you feel like, and if, I'll just speak about it. Initially, it feels like I just can't go on. I'll never get out of this spot. I'll always, I won't be able to move. But through the process of time, I come to accept it. One, is because I know what the Bible says, and I know that we just have, that's, a, that's some place, that's one way that we have to get into the kingdom of God. Amen? Acceptance does not equate to happiness. Acceptance occurs when you stop looking backwards and start looking forward. Amen. And I know it's hard to say goodbye to yesterday. I know it's hard to say goodbye to yesterday. However, we won't be the first ones to experience grief, and we won't be the last ones to be experience grief. Because somebody's going to cry and be grieving over you. Amen. So the stages are disbelief and shock. Denial, guilt or pain, bargaining, anger, depression, and acceptance. And you need to remember this. Satan uses death for termination. God uses death for transition. So when you come at it from that viewpoint as a believer... Satan uses it for termination, but God uses it for transition. Time does not heal all wounds, but God does. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Time does not heal all wounds. God does. Amen. Amen. So let's get into it a little bit. This is how. I said all that to say this. This is how you make it through what you're going through while you're grieving, okay? You need to know this. God is the God of all comfort. God is the God of all comfort. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. God is the God of all comfort. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm going to start with verse number 1. It says this, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints which are all in all, which are in all Achaia. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3 says, Blessed or blessed be 
God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of what? All comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation or troubles, so that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. All right? Comforting comes from the Greek word paraklesis, or paraklesis, which means a calling alongside to help, to comfort, to give consolation or encouragement. Paraklesis, P-A-R-A-K-L-E-S-I-S, paraklesis, which means a a calling alongside to help, comfort, to give consolation or encouragement. The paraclete, which is the Holy Spirit, is a strengthening presence, one who upholds those appealing for assistance. One of the functions or the ministries of the Holy Spirit is to come alongside, to strengthen you, to comfort you. Amen? So paraclesis is a calling alongside to help comfort, to give consolation and encouragement. Paraclesis or comfort can come to you by the Holy Spirit or by the Word. Or both. It can come to you through the Holy Spirit, and it also can come to you through the Word. Don't get so overcome by your mourning that you miss the unlimited comfort that God makes available in your circumstances. Or in your circumstance. Don't be so overcome by your mourning that you miss the unlimited comfort. Remember, God is everlasting to everlasting. So that means his comfort is Everlasting to everlasting. Because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. But so don't get so caught up in your mourning that you miss God's unlimited comfort. He will comfort you if you call on him. (laughs) He will comfort you if you believe that he will. Why? Because he is the God of what? All comfort. Let's go a little deeper. The idea of comfort implies that at least two parties, the one who gives it and the one who receives it. It also implies a need, one that the word speaks of exclusively for humans. We need comfort. When Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted, he was talking about us. He was talking about mankind. Animals have no capacity to receive spiritual comfort. All right? The angels have no need for comfort. Satan and his demons are eternally beyond comfort. Only us who are higher than the animals but lower than the angels who are composed of spirit, soul, and body were created with the capacity to receive and to give comfort. And in case you hadn't noticed, we live in a world that needs it. Amen? We live in a world that needs it. So not only are we to receive comfort, we are called out by God Anointed by God, appointed by God to not only receive it, but to give it. Verse number three says, blessed be the God and the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of mercies or the father of compassion and the God of all comfort or the source of all comfort, 
who comforted us in, our, in all our tribulation, that we may be able to do what? Comfort them or comfort others which are in any trouble. Why? By the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Amen? So not only are we supposed to receive it, we're supposed to give it out. In his mercy and love, God is eager to provide comfort to his children in any and all circumstances. And whatever trial you face, your heavenly father knows the situation and offers comfort as needed. Now, not only does it, I'll repeat it again, give it to you. You are now supposed to give comfort to others. Amen. Because nothing ever happens to you that God does not know about. Nothing ever happens to us that he does not know about. His plan, he knows the beginning at the end. <laughs> Amen. Where we've been, he's been. Amen. Where are we going? He's already there. <laughs> Amen. The fact that he is the God of all comfort teaches us that all comfort ultimately comes from him and he is the source of peace, happiness, joy and blessing and he comforts us so that we may comfort others that comfort flows through us it's like grace it's an active and powerful gift not to just be received but actively shared so that it will supernaturally advance God's kingdom in other words when you comfort others you are God's representative on this earth it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, and it's good to tell somebody you're praying for them. It's good to tell them to pray for themselves. But when you are the vehicle of comfort, you are God's representative on this earth. Amen. Amen. Hmm. And bringing comfort to those in trouble, you glorify God by giving them a glimpse of how He comforts those in distress. And understand this, when God comforts you, I don't want you to miss it, he's giving you God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The Trinity is there to comfort you. Amen? That's why Paul says in 2 Corinthians 13 and 14, I'll read in the New Living Translation, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. You can make it through what you're going through by knowing that God is the God of all comfort. So even though you cry tears, even though you get sad, even though you are grieving, rest assured that God is the source of all comfort. And he is willing and able and waiting Amen? Number two is this. You need to let the peace of God rule in your heart. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. Let's go to Colossians. Chapter 3. You need to let the peace of God rule in your heart. To make it through what you're going through, you need to remember or know that God is a God of all comfort. And you need to let. That means you have to do it. You got to do something. You got to let the peace of God rule in your heart. 
You can't give what you don't have. Amen. Amen. Uh, Colossians 3 and verse 15, it says this. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Verse 16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Dwell means to live in, to take up residence in, to be your permanent address in. Let the word of Christ be permanently, let the word of Christ permanently dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts, what? To the Lord. Peace can refer to a number of different situations. There is a world of peace, which refers to a lack of conflict between nations. And as, we, and, 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 and as we said a couple of weeks ago, the last days would reflect that there would be wars and rumors of wars. Nations would rise against nations. So I'm not saying that this peace cannot occur, but according to what the word says, it's a sure sign to us as believers that Jesus is coming back. Amen. There's interpersonal peace, which refers to a lack of conflict between individuals. That one's, a, I don't know if we'll ever achieve that one either. Because <laughs> the Bible also says in this world you would be offended. Offended means somebody's going to come for you. Amen. And sometimes you're going to go for somebody. Amen. Uh, amen. There is an inner peace which refers to a lack of conflict within a person, between different desires and elements, between your personality and your aspirations and the realities that confront you. But the most pressing need that you have is peace with God. If you get peace with God, all that other stuff will be added. And even if it's not added, you still got peace with God. And I would rather have peace with God than have all that other stuff, right? Amen. Now, before you were a believer, you were a sinner who was at war with God until you laid down your arms and submitted yourself to his lordship. We were, we were born into being at war with God. Amen? I'll tell you a little bit more about that later. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Once you are no longer at war with God, you can begin to incorporate the other kinds of peace into your life and personality. Philippians 4, verse 6-7 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This speaks of the inner peace that comes from fully trusting God to meet all your needs. When you have the peace of God, that means you will experience calm in the midst of chaos. Hmm. And you can do that because you know God has heard your prayer. Not necessarily because the problem is solved, but because the peace that God gives you because you know that you know that you know that he has heard your prayer. That's where peace comes from with God, is knowing that you know that you know that when you have prayed, he heard you. 
Amen. The peace that God gives you surpasses understanding because you won't even understand why you have peace when everything else is falling apart around you. When from man's viewpoint, you should be going nuts. Right? You should be going off. You should be going crazy. <laughs> you should be tearing up some stuff. You should be wanting to fight some people. However, when God gives you the peace that surpasses all your understanding after you have become a believer, especially when before you were a believer, you was a fighter. <laughs> before you was a believer, you would get with somebody. Amen. But once you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the peace of God comes over to overtake you. You no longer feel like that anymore. You can have peace in the midst of that mess. Amen. This is what I need you to understand. God's peace guards your heart. God's peace guards your heart. Mm. 15 again, and let the peace of God rule in your heart to the which also you are called in one body and be ye thankful. Letting the peace of God rule your heart means allowing the truth of what he has done for you dictate your actions. When you allow God's peace to be in your heart, it will change your actions. Hmm. Think about it. And it will guard your heart and change your actions. You have, inner, you have inner peace in spite of the chaos. And people ask me all the time, how did you know thus and so? Or how come you went this way or that way? And the best way I can explain it is, you just know. When you have peace, when God gives you the peace in the direction or a certain thing that you're getting ready to step out into, you just know it. And you also, if you know he didn't say it and say he didn't do it, you won't have peace. <laughs> That's based on relationship. If your relationship is tight and right with God, he will give you the peace that you need for every step. But when your relationship is off, you can't take that step because you won't have peace and you can still do it. But I believe in, and, I, and, I, and I, I promise you won't receive a promise that's attached to it. Amen. Amen. To make it through what you're going through, you need to let the peace of God rule your heart. To do what? Give you the direction that you need in this chaos, in this mess of a world that we live in. And lastly, to make it through what you're going through while grieving, you need to remember that this world is not your home. <laughs> this world is not your home. Let's go to Philippians chapter 3, just a couple pages over. And I'm almost done. This world is not your home. Philippians chapter 3, verse 17. I'm going to read it in the King James, but then I'm going to read 20 and 21 in the New Living Translation. It brings a little bit more clarity. It says this, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which so as you have us for an example. For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. Verse 21 says, 
for our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Now look, at, check it out in the New Living Translation. It says this, verse 20 says, But we are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we are eagerly awaiting for him to return as our Savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies, praise God for that. <laughs> weak mortal bodies, the bodies that we got now that got pain in them, that get sick, <laughs> that gives us trouble. He's going to take these weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own. Using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. Now, a citizen is someone who legally belongs to a country. And they have the rights and protection of that country. Citizens adopt the culture and practices of the nation or the kingdom to which they belong. Check this out. Every human being is born into the kingdom of this world in which Satan rules. You were born into the kingdom of this world. You don't come out the womb saved. And Satan, who is the prince of the power of the air of this world, he rules here. That means we grow up adopting the culture, practices, and values he instigates. An example of that is uh, when you're a kid or you had children or, or you had a toddler and you've seen a toddler going over to a, stick his finger or her finger into a socket and you tell them not to do it and they do it anyway. Amen. Being disobedient because they've got what the kingdom that they were born into already in them. Amen. The Bible tells us in Psalm 51 and 5, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. So we were already born into this kingdom of the world because of what Adam and Eve did, or even Adam did, in the garden. Amen? Satan's kingdom enslaves its citizens. Satan's kingdom enslaves its citizens. Think about it a little deeper. Satan's kingdom enslaves its citizens while twisting the word of God to try to enslave those citizens. Mm. When you are enslaved, that means you are held in bondage with no choice. And with darkened hearts and minds, you blindly follow Satan into the very sins that pull you deeper into slavery. Mm -mm. You remain captive, remain his captive in this kingdom until you are freed through Jesus Christ. That's why Satan does all he can to try to keep you bound to this world. And he'll use anything to bind you to the world, whether it's material, whether it's this, whether it's that. He will use anything to keep you bound to this world because he don't want you to be free. Charles Spurgeon put it this way, consider how precious a soul must be when both God and the devil are after it. 
<laughs> when you are born again by faith in Jesus, you are born into the kingdom of God, which means you have citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. You're a dual citizen. When you become a citizen of the kingdom of God, you become freed from the bondage. You become a new creature. You receive the Holy Spirit so that you can be transformed into the image of his son on earth. And at the end of your time on earth, you will live in eternity with him in a new body. The same body that he had. Remember, Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Amen. <laughs> he is preparing the kingdom of heaven for us. Amen. Song says, Lord, don't you know, I have no friend like you. If heaven is not my home, then Lord, what shall I do? The angels are beckoning me, beckoning me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Wow. Don't feel at home in this world if you're a believer, because this heaven, this earth is going to pass away. Heaven and earth, as a matter of fact, will pass away, and there will be a new heaven and a new earth, a new Jerusalem. Here is not all there is. Amen. Amen. Lastly, don't let your earthly experience crowd out your reality of your heavenly citizenship. Don't let your earthly experience crowd out your reality of heavenly citizenship. This ain't all it is. And while you are grieving, to get to make it through what you're going through, you need to know that God is the God of all comfort. You need to let the peace of God rule in your heart. And you need to remember that this world is not our home. Though we would like people to stay longer than they say, this world is not our home. This world is not our home. This world is not our home. So what do we have to do? We have to be prepared. Prepared to meet the Lord. We have to be prepared. How do you get prepared? Receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Once you receive him as your Lord and Savior, you are already in heaven, even though you're on earth. You're already in eternity, whether you're limited by time. Hmm. Praise God. It begins there. Amen. So be ye comforted as a believer, because blessed are they that mourn, for they will be comforted. <laughs> and one last thing, that's reserved for believers. Now, unbelievers can be comforted to a point, but we can be comforted for eternity. Praise God. And if you don't know him, you better get to know him. Time is of the essence. If you hadn't noticed, people are leaving here, left, right, old, young, in the middle, up, down, black, white, green, yellow, purple, Democrat, Republican, independent, don't matter. People are leaving this earth. Every day. Some we know, some we don't know. But at the end of the day, where, where do you stand?
where do you stand? So when you're grieving, you need to get with God. Amen. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to scare the hell out of you. Amen. Because <laughs> eventually... <laughs> Praise God. Stand to your feet. Push that button again. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank God for his word.